And we spent six months in India. And as you saw in the video, India is a very unique place. It's a place, oftentimes I say, if you take America, shake it up in a jar, turn it upside down, open the lid and let it all just fall on the ground, that would be India. Because it is completely different uh, than what we have here. But the reason we're going there isn't because we like it better or anything like that. It's because they need the gospel. And there's very few people there that are sharing the gospel. If right now we had 10,000 missionaries go to the country of India, that would be incredible, wouldn't it be? But if we had 10,000 missionaries go to India, each individual missionary would have to reach 100,000 people to reach the non-Christian population of India. 10,000 missionaries would have to reach 100,000 people each to reach the non-Christian population. And uh, you guys know what 100,000 people looks like according to that uh, statistic on the back wall. That's a lot of people. India is arguably the largest country of the world, one-seventh of the world's population. It's 98% non-Christian. And I'd ask if you would pray for more laborers for the country of India. And uh, we are uh, really thrilled to be here. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. When I was in India for the six months, uh, I was trying to read through the Bible uh, while I was there. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that you deal with when you get to the mission field. And uh, you start realizing that things are not the same as they are here in America. They have a McDonald's, but I promise you it doesn't taste the same. Uh, eventually, uh, you, you realize it's better. The first moment I had that I was there and I was like, okay, this is going to be a little bit different. I went to Burger King at the airport. And I was like, okay, uh, I'll take a, you know, a double Whopper. One problem, India doesn't have beef, right? So like Whopper, I mean, they have that, but it's a goat Whopper, okay? So it's not, you know, what we're used to. And that's what I ended up with. And, uh, you know, I try to get a refill and they're like, no, we don't do that here. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Uh, but so I was reading through and, you know, there's a lot of different things that we were dealing with. And, uh, you know, one of the things is it could be a very fearful place. And while reading through my Bible, God started speaking to me through this passage in the subject of fear. Because, you know, truthfully, not just during this past year do we struggle with fear, but each individual in here struggles with fear in some aspect in your life. Fear is something that we all deal with. I remember uh, my, uh, one, I had an encounter with fear uh, a few years back. I just moved from Cincinnati, Ohio to Georgia. And, uh, you know, I, that was a pretty easy move for me. My job transferred down there. I started Bible college. Everything was going pretty well. But I remember the first service I was there was Easter Sunday. I got there very early, way before anyone else, because I was, wanted to be, you know, I was excited about Bible college. I was going to be the first one there. I don't know why, uh, but I, I was. And uh, I watched as people started coming through the door and greeting people, introducing myself to different uh, people that were coming in. And about five minutes before Sunday school started, I noticed the most spectacularly beautiful woman in the history of the world walk through the door. And some people are looking at my wife, and that's true. She's the one I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody else, right? Um, Mackenzie, she walked in the door. And I remember when she walked in, I was like, wow, she's really pretty. I found out that she was from the Cincinnati area just like me. How exciting is that? You know, she was studying to be a missionary just like me. I found out that she was really, really, really good at basketball. And you may wonder what that has to do with anything. Well, I love basketball. I played it every day in my life. 
I would, I, one day I decided I would shoot 500 free throws a day, and I still can't shoot, okay? And uh, she was a Division Four Player of the Year for the state of Ohio her senior year. So I thought, you know, that might work out for my kids, fix some things that were messed up with me. You know, basically, Mackenzie was the perfect girl for me. She really was. She really is, I should say. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, but uh, she's a perfect girl for me. But I had one huge problem. I could not talk to girls at all. In fact, I had a girlfriend one time before, but my sister asked her out for me. My sister actually broke up with her for me too. That's tr true statement. So I would go, you know, I knew Mackenzie was a great girl and I knew I, I wanted to be with her. I knew she, you know, we seemed to have the same goals in mind, the same calling. We had similar backgrounds, similar interests, things like that. You know, she was a perfect girl, but for me to be able to marry her someday, eventually I'd have to man up, you know, and ask her something to lead the relationship that way. So I would constantly, you know, try to pet myself up, talk myself up saying, I'm going to do it today. And I would go and I would say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I would start getting scared and more scared. I'll start to run away and I'd never do it, right? And about a month went through and I had been dealing with this. I've been talking to my friend back home about it, you know. And he was coming down to visit me. The Cincinnati Reds were in town, so he was really visiting them. Uh, but uh, he was coming down to visit me and he said, Jeffrey, I'm getting there Friday. If you don't ask her before I get there, I'm asking her for you. And I thought, I can't let this happen again. I got to man up. So that Friday, we were in class, and, uh, you know, we were going through the whole, you know, four hours of class. I promise you, there's only one thing I was thinking of that whole class. I'm asking her today. Nothing will stop me. Class ended. She went straight out to her car, and, you know, I'm terrified. I really am, but I just follow her. You know, I just follow her right out there. She was all by herself, and I thought, man, this might work out in my advantage. I don't even have to worry about asking in front of a bunch of people. Well, she was reaching in to get her, something out of her car, and I was just standing out there shaking. <laughs> it's a really awkward situation, honestly. Finally, she turned around. She saw me. She was like, you know, like, what's happening? And, uh, you know, I got the courage. I manned up, and I said, Mackenzie. You know, I was scared to death. I said, Mackenzie, would you go to lunch with me? And she said no. <laughs> I'm 0 for 1. Uh, thankfully, she realized what she was missing out on, you know? <laughs> I don't know why you guys laughed at that. Uh, but, you know, me being with Mackenzie, that was a great thing. It really was. Uh, I love my wife. I couldn't imagine doing what I do with anyone else but her. But as good as, as it was for me to be with her, there was one thing stopping me for, you know, a month, which really felt like 10 years, you know. And that was fear. I couldn't get over my fear to ask her. You know, truthfully, I believe that each Christian in here, God's called you to do something. And you know in your mind that God wants you to do something. Maybe Pastor Brooks was preaching one Sunday. You even came forward, you prayed, and you committed your life to do whatever God might be calling you to do. It may be to be more faithful in your uh, personal evangelism. Maybe to be in the part of the, uh, the visitation and outreach ministry here at the church. Maybe it would be get more involved in the printing ministry. Maybe God's called you to increase your faith in your giving or in your church attendance or to get rid of some sin or something that's holding you back. Whatever God might be calling you to do, what happens is we say, I know God wants me to do it. We step out to do it. But as soon as we step out, the devil starts throwing thoughts of doubt and fear in our mind. 
And as we step out, we start heroically, but we start getting scared. Then we run away. We never do what God wants us to do. You know, the message this evening is don't let fear hold you back. You know, the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter number seven and verse number 16, uh, God talking through Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, and thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for bringing your people together to worship you. Lord, to hear from you. Lord, I do pray you'd help me as I preach. I pray that I'd be able to encourage those here. Lord, I pray your word would work in our lives this evening. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when you and I, we read verse number 16, we kind of just glance through that verse without realizing the impact that verse 16 had on the children of Israel. We know the end of the story. We know that Joshua crossed over Jordan. We know that those uh, priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, once they stepped foot on that water, it split. We, knew, we know the story of Jericho, them walking around the, the, the city seven days. On the seventh day, they did seven times. They scream and God brought the walls down. We know the stories. But when God said, you need to go and consume all the people in that land, they didn't know the end of the story. All they saw were that they were, in prepared, they were unprepared, not equipped properly, and they were up against an impossible task. This was a seemingly a no-win situation. You know, uh, an absolute suicide mission. And God yet tells them to do that. But in verse, six, verse 17, he knows what they'll soon be thinking within themselves. He said in verse 17, If thou shalt say in thine heart, you know, in, in their heart, maybe not out loud, but they'll be thinking it, these nations are more than I. How can I dispossess them? Now, these nations, they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They have walls that are so high. How in the world are we going to be able to dispossess them? How are we going to be able to kick them out of this land and take their land like God told us to do? How can we do that? You know, the truth is when God calls us to do something, one of the first things the devil likes to tell us is, you can't do it. You're not smart enough. You're not old enough. You're not young enough. You don't have the most energy. You don't have this or that or the other. And, you know, the devil, when God calls us to do something, he's doing everything he can to stop you from doing it. And he's doing all these things to make you think in your mind, to say in your heart, I can't do it. I will fail if I try. But verse number 18 you know, they say something in their heart. God answers it verbally. He says, thou shalt not be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. And you know, this is a wonderful thing to say. You know, when you're in the middle of doubting, when you're in the middle of being afraid of what might happen, God has one command for us. Don't be afraid. You know, the Bible says that God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. God does not give us fear. He gives us things to overcome fear. So the question is, in your life, are you accepting God's gift 
of power, love, and a sound mind? Or are you accepting what the devil has to offer with fear and doubt? You know, there's just two points to this message. I asked Pastor Brooks how long, uh, you know, I didn't want to, you know, keep be here till 10 o'clock. Not that I think that's humanly impossible, unless I preach like six messages. Um, <laughs> but there's two, two points found here in the text of ways to overcome fear and to go forward doing what God wants us to do. And the first one's in verse number 18. He says, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shall well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptation is what Sinai saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Verse 20, more of the Lord thy God will send a hornet among them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee be destroyed. You see what God says, he says, don't be afraid, but remember what I've done in the past. He says, don't be afraid, but remember what well, thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh. He says, and all the temptations, the signs, the wonders, you know, the 10 plagues that God miraculously brought down through Moses to the people of Israel. And God, he brought out a whole nation of slaves, made them free. God did all those things. He says, when you're up against that moment of fear and you're up against that moment of doubt and you think there's no way we can take the next step, there's no way we can do what you want us to do. Just remember what I did in the past. And he says in verse number 20, moreover, I'll shorten it for you. I'll do it again. He says, instead of fear, remember what God did in the past and know that he's going to do it again. You know, we serve a God that hears our prayers and answers prayers, don't we? We, this past year, our pastor, he got real bad with COVID. He was on the ventilator for over 20 days. Uh, that's not like a good situation. We really thought everything was hopeless. We were all praying, and God worked a miracle, and he's preaching again right now. We were in India, and uh, my friend Chundan was his name. First, I thought it was Chandan because that's what it looked like phonetically. Uh, then I got made fun of for calling him Chandan. Don't call him Chandan. It's Chundan. Uh, but uh, my friend Chundan, the whole time we were there, he's like, you need to come to my village. It's like, all right, I'll do it. So my wife and I, we go with Chundin to his village and, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. The first village we went to, uh, it, it truly, they call it a village, was 900,000 people. I was like, that's huge. You know, that's like bigger than Cincinnati. And, uh, but we went and saw different people and families and it was just a real unique experience. The second village we went to was a real small village, about 150 people lived there. And we didn't realize, my wife went on the trip with me. We were, we, this was a few years ago. We were, she was pregnant with, not we, she was pregnant with Oliver. And, uh, but we didn't realize that previous night, my wife had gotten food poisoning. She ate Mexican nachos in Delhi, India and got food poisoning. Go figure. And, uh, you know, she was sicker than a dog. She really was. Uh, she uh, I can tell you a whole bunch of different stories where that was kind of humorous. But, uh, you know, basically at the end of the day, I was like, Chundin, is there a place where we can sleep? And the, the host family we stayed with were very kind. They put us in this brand new room they just built. They got this brand new room because they got this brand new bed uh, for as a gift. 
And they were going to let us sleep there. And we were pretty excited because we were worried how everything was going to go. In the village in India, all the guys sleep outside, all the girls sleep inside. So we were like, how's this going to work out? But it was very nice to have our own space. And it was mostly private, except for where there was a window because it used to be outside. And they would occasionally look in to see us sleeping there, I guess, to make sure we're still there. (laughs) And we were laying there. You know, when you have a hard day of work, uh, just real tough and exhausting. You put in long hours and you finally, you know, lay down in bed and you just go and relax. Well, we did that. Once we did that, we started hearing a buzzing noise. We started going like this and this. And, uh, you know, they, the, the, the population of India is 1.3 billion people. But in that night in that room, there were 1.3 billion mosquitoes. And we were getting eaten alive. I do not know why I didn't think to prepare for the mosquitoes. Going to the village of India should go hand in hand, but I didn't. And we were exhausted. We were tired. My wife was sick. We had T-shirts over our face, T-shirts over our feet, covered up in the blanket. India is a hot place. We were covered up. We were getting eaten alive. We still have mosquito marks on our body from that night. And, you know, we're just laying there. And then I, I pray and I ask to God, I say, Lord, please get rid of these mosquitoes. Seems like a crazy prayer, right? And uh, we're sitting there and we are, uh, you know, we're rolling back and forth and, you know, trying to do anything we can to go to sleep. And about an hour into it, I roll over one time and then big pop, crack. I broke the bed. (laughs) Three Indian ladies sleep on that bed every night. My fat American body broke it in about an hour. (laughs) You know, when wood breaks, it makes a real loud pop noise. All the Indians rushed to the window, looked in, saw me laying on the ground. You know, I, got, I went to the door and I called my friend Chundin. I was like, Chundin, Chundin, come here. And I showed him, I said, Chundin, I broke the bed. He looked at me and said, oh no, sir, this is very bad. You know, not encouraging at all. He's like, this is horrible. We're in, we're in trouble. And uh, it really wasn't that bad. I called the family in. They're like, don't worry about it. Try to pay on money. They're like, well, no, we'll just cut down a tree tomorrow. We'll make a new piece of wood and it'll be good as new. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. And then, you know, they kind of moved us to a different area. And there was a, this room that we went into and it had like this real thick, strong table that kind of looked like a communion table, you know, like one that has, those, it just had these big, strong legs. And they looked at that and looked at me and they said, this will be more sturdy for you. <laughs> they really did say that. And then, you know, the, 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 the reason I'm telling you this story is because right before they left that room, they kind of looked at each other and they said, you know, we should do something to get rid of the mosquitoes for them. My ears perked up. I got so excited. And you may have seen it before. There's this little brown coil thing. Uh, I never saw it before that night. And what happens is you burn it on one end. It slowly burns for hours and hours and hours. All the mosquitoes went away. You know why? Because God answers prayers. God answers big prayers. God answers what might seem like small prayers. We serve a God who works miracles in our life. You know, if God's called you to do something, there should be no reason you should be afraid. God's worked in the past. He's answered prayers in your life. He's brought you through tough times. And if the Bible says here, don't be afraid. Remember what God did in the past. Moreover, the Lord's going to do it in the future. God will work in your life miracles in the future, just like he's done in the past. We don't have to be afraid. So the first reason we don't need to be afraid is 
because we need to, instead of being afraid, we need to remember what God's done in the past. The second thing is in verse number 21, he says, thou shalt not be affrighted at them. You know, once again, it says, don't be afraid. He says, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. You know what I love about verse number 22? Is it seems like a direct contradiction with verse 16. You know, verse 16 is simply this. Go and consume all these people. Verse 22 says, the Lord thy God is going to put out all those people. You know, it seems like it's kind of opposite, but no, it's showing a, a truth of what it's like to serve God and do what he wants us to do. You know, he says here, don't be afraid. I'm with you. He says, the Lord thy God is among you. He's a mighty God and terrible, not to us, but to all those that are against us. And he says, and the Lord thy God will put out those nations. You know, we don't have to be afraid. God's with us and he's going to do the work through us. You know, God may call you to go do this thing. God may call you to go step out in faith. But the truth is, is when you step out in faith and do that, God's the one who's truly going to do the work in your life. It's like those priests, you know, in the, the story I just mentioned in the Jordan River. They had to take that first step in the river. The river's rushing. It's flooded. It's absolutely scary looking. I couldn't even imagine being in that position. And they had to go and take a big step carrying this heavy thing into that river. But once they took that, that first step, it seemed like they were the ones doing everything. But God went through and he split that river. We don't have to be afraid. God's with us. He's a friend that sticks closer to the, than a brother. He's the one who, the Bible says, will never leave us nor forsake us. God is with us. And when we step out and do something for him, we can't lose. And that's a great thing for a guy like me who's from Cincinnati. Just ask Pastor Brooks about it. Uh, we're used to losing, aren't we? He's a Georgia fan. I'm a Cincinnati fan. Yeah. A 53-yard field goal, and it just had to miss. It, it, it could have just missed, you know. We could have just won one game. One game would have been nice, but oh well, because we lose. Uh, you know, I'm a, big, I'm a big sports fan. I used to be a season ticket holder before I surrendered to missions and things like that of the Reds. You know, the last time the Reds won a World Series, I was negative three. <laughs> the last time the Bengals won was never. The last time the Bearcats won in football was never. And in basketball, my dad was negative seven, which means... My whole time, I've been a really big sports fan, and I've never seen success ever. <laughs> yeah, get used to it, except for next year. There's always next year. But the exciting thing is when I step out and I do something for God, I, I don't have to worry about losing. Amen. You know, since 19, might not be able to win, but God can't lose. Amen. When we step out and we do something for God, we don't have to be afraid. He's going to work in your life. Yeah. India, there's a lot of things to be afraid of, to be honest with you. Uh, we were there, and, you know, there's this one area very populated, and uh, there's a gutter right next to the road, and then that gutter is where the sewage flows down from all the houses. Uh, that's pretty gross, right? You can be afraid of the sicknesses that might come from that. My friend Chundin's house, his sewage thing got blocked up, and you had to literally hop across stones to get to his front door. You know, that could be something to be afraid of. 
You know, the, la- the language, we have a Hindi Bible sitting out there. You can go ahead and try to read it. You won't get much out of it. I could promise you that because this looks like nothing you've ever seen before. The, the Hindi language is, could seem really tough and an impossible task. We could be afraid of that. The government right now in India is anti-Christian. Uh, the BJP party, which is in rule right now, they are very pro-Hindu. They're strongly persecuting the Muslims. They're persecuting the Christians. They want India to just be Hindu. Well, God's called me to do the exact opposite. That could be something to be afraid of. We know the encouraging thing is even though there's all these earthly fears that could come into us and, and consume our minds and you know, ter- take us to become a, either not a servant or not an effective servant, we don't have to think of those things. Because when we step off that plane and land in India, hopefully by the end of this year, we can have faith that God's going to do a work through us because he called us. He's with me. He's going to do the work through me. There's a story in 2 Chronicles and uh, chapter number 16. It's a really unique story. You have King Asa. He's a great guy. Uh, he won great battles for the Lord, trusted in God. God used him greatly. But something happens in chapter number 16. I don't know if the success got to him or what, but he stopped trusting God. And instead of trusting God, he just found his own way out of the situation. It worked out for him, but then a man of God comes and sees him. And in this text that you have in 2 Chronicles 16, the prophet's talking to Asa. He's reprimanding Asa for what he did. But there's this really awesome verse in verse number 9. It tells us about what God's doing right now. He says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect for the, toward him. And unfortunately for Asa, the prophet says, Herein thou hast done foolishly. He didn't trust God. Therefore, from his forth thou shalt have wars. The story didn't end good, but this verse speaks a powerful message to us. God's eyes are going all around the world looking for someone who would just step out and trust him. You know, he doesn't say, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth for that really strong individual who can conquer any task. It doesn't say that. God can use whoever he wants. God can use that really awesome individual that can conquer anything on his own. But oftentimes, God's not looking for that person. He's looking for the person who he says, who he can show himself strong in the behalf of them. This last, I think it was the last song we sung. I didn't know it, and I forgot which passage in Mark it was turning to, so I just started reading the, the passage uh, there. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing of that psalm is, as a psalm of fear, it's really awesome, uh, kind of tied into this. And it, it says all these different things, fear of your enemies. But in the end, he said, uh, what, what was that passage in Psalm, the last song we sung? Maybe. That was probably it. I'll, I'll turn to it because I already forgot what it said. Uh, Psalm 27, it said, uh, yeah, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be good courage, and he will strengthen thine heart. And it said, where was it? I don't remember. Oh, well. Basically, um, I shouldn't have went there. Either way, forget I said that. Let's go back to Second Chronicles 16. I do know that passage. Uh, you know, 
if we step out and do something for God, what he's called us to do, man, not something on our own, but what he's called, if, if you step out and do what God's called you to do, he's going to do the work and he's going to show himself strong on your behalf. Amen. You know, the question is, why do we fear? You know, we oftentimes let fear stop us from doing what God wants us to do. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We serve a God who answers prayers. We serve a God who's worked in our life. And this verse, this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7 says he's going to do it in the future. We serve a God who's with us. And he does the work through us. So maybe tonight, I don't know, maybe no one in here has struggled with it and you guys are all just stepping out to do everything God wants you to do. But maybe there's someone in here who you know what God wants you to do, but you've been too afraid to step out and do it. Don't let that be your story. Tonight, let's surrender completely to do the will of God. Don't let fear hold you back. Lord, I thank you so much for this evening. Lord, I thank you for your message. I thank you for working in our lives and, and being with us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I pray you'd help each and every one of us if we're struggling with fear. Lord, I pray that we would cast that aside and trust you fully. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.